This episode is supported by Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs, folks, makes the best bras that you can get your hands on. I'm talking practical, easy to use, especially their nursing bras, and so, so comfortable. I used their nursing bras when I was pregnant and nursing Lucy and then again with Betty. And now that I am, you know, weaning my second child, they have an everyday collection that I can seamlessly move to. No clips, no nursing bras, but the same amazing comfort for your boobs. You're going to love them. Trust me. They have like, you know, almost 30,000 reviews on well.ca and basically a five-star rating there, which speaks volumes. So check them out at bravadodesigns.com or head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off. That's huge. Again, it's bravadodesigns.com and thisfamilytree20. We are also supported by Mini Miosh. Mini Miosh is a premium, organic, ethically made and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. Mini Miosh believes in quality over quantity and they make, I'm telling you, the best basics for your littles. Fashionable wardrobe staples that are soft, comfy, and timeless and can be passed from kid to kid regardless of their gender. Their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low impact non-toxic dyes. They're on a mission to leave the planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it and they believe that every little bit counts. You can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree15, you're getting 15% off your entire order. This is available in Canada and in the US. And again, that is minimiosh.com and thisfamilytree15. But Alex. Yeah, Shane? Let's begin this episode. Let's do it. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex, and I'm here with my husband, Shane. The babies are in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour. On this Family Tree Podcast, episode 112. We've got a big guest. We do. So this is such an exciting guest. Uh, for me, me and my friends were obsessed with this guest in high school for a bit. Shane, you were a little older than me. So you even I know. still am, yeah. <laughs> but you, like, you know, when you and I first got together, I was like, oh my God, I love this guy from this one movie. But you know his whole career and are a fan of him in general. And this guest is none other than Polly Shore. So Polly Shore, we were so excited to have on the podcast. We cover so much in our interview with him, but we talk about his career, his childhood. His mom, of course, was Mitzi Shore, who ran the comedy store. She was like a curator of comedic talent and respected by so many. We talk about relationships and why Christmas can be such a tough time for a lot of people and what Polly's doing to kind of you know, help out in that regard. Yeah, when you've lost a parent, the holidays are extra tough. And Polly has lost both parents, as many people listening have. So he's doing something kind of cool to help people feel a little bit less lonely uh, who are feeling lonely around the holidays. So listen to that and see how you can take part. Feels weird to call it a contest, but it's you do enter to be in a like a Zoom call with. Yeah, I guess, I guess it's a Zoom call that he has. And y'all talk about you know, why the holidays are difficult, what you do to cope. And I guess you you have this com community chat, but you go through an audition with Polly first. Yeah. Just like everyone can participate, yeah. but some people will be active, more active participants. But anyway, yeah, it was quite thrilling. I realized the other day, and I didn't tell Polly this, but in high school, I used to call myself the weasel. Did you really? Yeah. And I'd be like, weasel. And I would always do the 
like, which for for the people that don't know that was that's Paulie's stage persona his comedy persona yeah so he was a bigger influence in my life than I even let on during the interview that's hilarious I didn't know that yeah did wait did the people that you were saying when you were calling yourself the weasel the people that you'd say that to did they know Paulie Shore did they think you were being original I don't know I think I thought I was actually being original that's how <laughs> deep Polly was in me that, that sounds weird <laughs> but um I actually thought I was doing something original and didn't uh-huh. wasn't even crediting Polly Shore with that but I would always and, say weasel and do a a noise I don't think he did like like I would actually <laughs> act like a weasel. I was doing this odd hybrid. It was strange. And and how is your Polly Shore weasel impersonation in this day and age? I do it on the interview. It's like milk duds. Like it's that's it. There, you just heard it. How is it? How is it? <laughs> I'd like to hear more if possible. Can we shut the fire off? Like I, I do want to talk about the fireplace, but it's too hot right now for me. Can that? It's ho- you're hot. Well, I'd like it to not be as hot so later we can actually get some real flames yeah, going on yeah, the fireplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Because this feels like a waste because then when when the podcast is done, we're not going to get real flames. You, you know what I mean? Yep. No, it's I'll, just a good strategy. Look, turn off the pilot light. We're all good. But Shane, let's get started. Cheers, babe. What? <laughs> 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 just, babe, like nice and slow. Babe, let's get started. Cheers, babe. <laughs> All right, so we are drinking our drink, non-alcoholic cocktail. Tonight is Seedlip Apple Highball. So we had this before. It was so good. I had to make it again. So it's Seedlip Garden 108, the non-alcoholic spirits, maple syrup, a little lemon juice, and it's just like, it's just tasty. I love it. It's tasty. It's refreshing, and it's appreciated because Alex does make these drinks with her bare hands. With my bare hands. And uses her mind and puts it all together. And I, yeah. It's great. You're welcome. Thank you. I think we reverse what you're supposed to say there. But uh, <laughs> anyway, we got a fireplace as we We just got mentioned. a fireplace. And by the way, I must say, I was aware of what you were saying. I was saying you're welcome preemptively. I'd like to just move on and talk about the fireplace, Alex. <laughs> Shane, you know, let's let you? dead dogs lie. It looks gorgeous in here. May I say, folks, we usually set up like, I don't know, after... Remembrance Day in November. It's like in Canada, that's November 11th. We usually set up around then for Christmas. It is what, December 4th, and we're just doing this whole shebang now. It feels late. I felt so crappy and I felt like a bad parent and just a bad Christmas lover. But now that our living room is, we got a tree and it's right beside our brand new gorgeous fireplace that we have blood, sweat, and teared whatever over a lot of tears especially on your end and yes if this is your first episode you've ever listened to just know we've gone through hell as a family to get this fireplace (laughs) here it's cost us a ridiculous amount of money and sometimes you think oh you spend a lot of money you get what you pay for there's that old adage that's not always true oh my god we it was still very difficult you could not throw money at this project and make it go away it didn't speed it up really Alex was harassed by the contractor. A week ago, like on Sunday, yeah. Uh, it, it was so odd. It was almost, if it wasn't scary, it would have been comical because he had a, like, I was recording him mm-hmm. because you would put it on speaker and he's just swearing like, I'm, you're going to fucking regret this. Don't even pay me. All this yeah. shit. It's like, 
one, don't talk to anyone like that, especially don't talk to a woman like that. Like, it's so extra scary, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's very scary. And the the comical part, though, is, like, in this gruff voice, he was like, I have a blog, and, I, <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to mention you on my blog. And Alex never mentions that she has a fairly decent following. I'm assuming you probably have, I don't know, overall between TikTok and your Instagram account, a hundred and seventy more thousand followers than this guy. Like how many could he really have? And we never told him that you were an influencer. So I found that very funny. Like if he came at you, we would actually have a better platform to expose this person and the recordings with the language that this person was talking to you. So yeah, it was hell. It's here now. This is our first day where we're actually enjoying the ambiance and the fire. And it feels like our home is one step closer to being complete. But I have to ask you, Alex, because you were taking the brunt of all of this because you were running the project. You were directing this. Mm -hmm. Would you do it again? I would. Um, as shocking as this sounds, because I have been so str- like Shane knows, and you guys know listening to this podcast, I have lost sleep, like nights, full nights of sleep over this project, and it's really consumed me uh, in a really terrible way. But I would do it again because I have learned so many things this time that I would do differently, and I feel like the next project would be easier in the sense that. I'd go in knowing a little bit more how to deal with people, what to expect from people that I'm hiring to do the work, and things to double check on and triple check on and quadruple check on. You know what I mean? And I want to make it clear, too, when this guy was harassing me over the phone and swearing at me and, you know, basically telling me to go F myself, uh, I didn't do anything wrong. And I just want to make that clear. He was putting the fireplace together. The logs themselves that go in the fireplace are $550, $550 per log or is this in totality, in totality. But I mean, you know, that's a lot of money for logs. So he's putting them in. He either breaks the logs or they came broken and he did not tell me. All right. Either one doesn't matter. And I find out two weeks later when I'm like, oh, he put these in wrong and I'm putting them in myself again. I had to take them all out and I'm putting them back in. Anyway. He's furious at me for pointing this out, gets his back up, and then harasses me after I asked him very nicely, can you please tell me what happened with the logs? Yeah, what's funny is you you approach it to him. You're like, I don't know what happened to the logs. I'm concerned you broke them. And he, he thinks his genius retort is, I didn't break those fucking logs. It's like, <laughs> well, if you know that for certain, then you must have seen that they yes. were broken. Even worse, man. Like, yeah. Tell us. I guess it's not even worse because if he had broken, no, but it's it's the same. Tell us so we can get it sorted. Yes. So that was he was like embarrassed and taking it out Mm -hmm. in a, you know, bordering on violent type of speech because he was saying, "Don't pay me. This is going to end up worse for you." Like, I don't know what that means. I don't know but what that I don't means either. Know. He knows where we live. He's been in our house. He spent like a full day here working. He knows I have two little kids. You know, like it, all that stuff is scary. And like Shane was saying in regards to it being worse when you're talking to a woman like that, I think it's solely because as women, we carry so many more fears than a man would. Like, you know, Shane could probably think, all right, if this guy comes at me, I could take him. I can't take this guy. Yeah, he's older, but like, I can't take him. And then, of course, the thing that goes through every woman's mind if a guy is harassing them, I think, is rape. 
And that's like the most terrifying thing. And truly, that's what I was thinking of. I was like, oh, my God, this guy is going to like freak out because he's clearly unstable. Just to clarify here, I could have definitely taken him. And there's zero question in my mind. Because the person who's defending has so much more adrenaline pumping through their Mm -hmm. veins. And one, I'm a foot taller than him. Yeah. Two, I'm 20 years younger. (laughs) (laughs) Three, I would guess I'm stronger. And four, the amount of anger and vitriol I would have built up in me if he came at our house and with our family, I would have the strength of 20 Shanes. So I, if he's listening, <laughs> watch out, brother, okay? Uh, and can yeah. I say, like, this whole fiasco and everything, um, like, even though that's the thing that happened to me this week that really impacted me, like, the day he yelled at me it happened in the morning, and I was, like, crying and shaking all on and off all day because I was so, so terrified. But that's not the thing that's pissing me off this week for oh, Alex's no. postpartum postpartum rage Is it about segment. Me? It's not. Okay. No, 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 no. It's about Zobi One Kenobi. Is that her name? Yes. Okay, guys. I I had this odd troll all week, just like getting in there and kind of not like super upfront mean ways. You just, look like a grandma. Well, <laughs> I would say his offenses, and you know, nothing's wrong with looking like a grandmother, of course. We're not an ageist podcast, but she knew that she was trying to be annoying there. She, she was trying to be annoying. And Insulting. I told her, I said, well, that's the aesthetic. I was talking about how when I wear gold, it makes me feel like my grandmother. But she was saying, I look like a grandmother. And it's like, all right, I think this is, you're trying to be a little mean. And then on another post that I did it was like a heartfelt post when I was just having having a chat about you know Shane and I were supposed to go to St. Martin this this week uh on December 9th and we had to cancel that and you know like I I was bummed out we were both bummed out it was kind of leading to us both feeling uptight and I was just I was really overwhelmed and like on the brink so I wrote a post about how I was feeling and then she just commented on that did you see this comment ha 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 She's laughing at my misfortune and my suffering. And I was like, that compared with the grandma thing. And then I knew her username because it's been popping up in like weird kind of mean comments all week. So I sent her a message tonight. Did she respond? She hasn't seen it Uh, officially yet. But you know what, Shane? She knows I sent it. She's probably just leaving it in the inbox. But I just asked her. I said, hey, just curious. Are you trying to be mean? If so, why? Warmly, Alex. You do have a vibe, though, that can be spoiled rich girl vibe. You that? What are you talking about? It, it has nothing to do with how much money you have in your bank account. Hell it's just no. The way you look, it's like, you know how some, like if you see like a blonde, if you're casting on like Full House and you want one of the characters to seem up tight and you would wrap a little thing around his waist like a cardigan <laughs> and he, they'd have blonde hair and a big smile and look smug all the time. And you have that aura where, you know, depending on when you like, if you just look at a photo, you could be like, oh, this girl's stuck up and rich. Like, you know, if, if you just join the account, you could look that way. But why go and tell me I look like a grandma? Why be mean about it? Why not just stop following me and be like, maybe they think, oh, this woman's decked out in jewelry. Boo hoo. Her St. Martin trip got canceled. Boo hoo. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you look like a grandma. And ha ha. Like, I'm actually struggling. That could be the vibe. No, that's true. And hey, it ain't a competition. Maybe we, I have to remind her of this. What is it? There's 
<laughs> there's no there's no uh, olympics for suffering Suffer- suffering olympics yeah, yeah we're all suffering we're alive this isn't the pain olympics it- a bird, bird's papaya said but wait what's the thing you get born you pay taxes and then you die yeah death taxes the only two things yeah. that are for sure and getting trolled on instagram yeah, that might be a harsh response, though, to her. If she's not thinking that, it's like, <laughs> ain't a competition just because I'm winning. That's the vibe we no, give up. Oh, no. No, I sent her a nice message asking, like, hey, what's up? I don't I don't understand this. Yeah. So we'll see how she responds. But speaking of your account, if we're talking about what pissed me off. I wasn't going to ask you, Shane. Well, I just like I didn't ask you either what pissed you off, but you kind of just brought it up. So taking your lead, I'm Ugh. going to say what pissed me off. I like to look at myself as a pretty good brand manager, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. So our my goal every week is let's let's get a hundred to a thousand followers per week and let's try to maintain that. And as some people may know, I was shooting a sketch pilot. I got an opportunity to shoot a sketch show pilot and i told alex hey i'm gonna be out of commission for two weeks you even recorded an episode of the podcast completely by yourself including the open the close all the ad reads everything and i was just like the ship is yours i'm trusting you with that in my mind i was thinking this could go great she could gain two thousand followers maybe she'll be extra motivated i don't know but if she only gains 500, I'll still be happy with her. I'll still be proud of her. <laughs> only 500. We lost 100 followers. Okay, we didn't lose 100. We've been hanging out in the same, you know, 20. I'll actually tell you, I lost more. Yeah, I lost 70 yesterday when I posted the gifts that no women should get. Yeah. So more yesterday than the week you were gone. Shane, I maintained. You also kept- recorded that the week I was gone, too. I kept the ship afloating, okay? Nobody sank. Nobody went underwater. I would have advised you against that TikTok, by the way, too. Well, it it did do well. It, well, well is relative. It got a lot of views. It didn't get a lot of likes. It and got pe- a lot of comments. Yes, because it was fairly polarizing. But and it's it, funny. But it made you look like a little rich, elitist, smiley Alex person. But, okay, okay. So, uh, elitist. Elitist. You can get such thoughtful, beautiful presents. And you and I were talking about this. For free, for that's, cheap. That's true. It has nothing to do with money. But that compiled with your vibe, you give off an aura, can come across as a little like, ooh, this okay. person has it all and they're putting me down. What's the phrase? You got champagne tastes on a Coca-Cola budget? Is You're that it? You're pulling out so many phrases right now. It's either you know the <laughs> phrase or you don't. Okay? But is that it? Do you know what I'm? What phrase I'm going for? It's, yeah, beer, taste, wine, budget, some, whatever it is. I get it. <laughs> Yeah, you can't. Basically, the sentiment is you can't buy style or taste. Class, man. So can't if buy you class. have a million dollars, you could still pick up some pretty shitty gifts. <laughs> you know, yes. Oh, my God. Bottom line, you didn't advance in followers. I'll put it to you that way. And it left, me, it left me a little cold in terms of my feelings towards you taking what I say to heart. And you didn't do any TikToks, and there was a lot of stuff that you didn't do. I get it. Life is busy. Life's busy. Hey. I'm giving Shane a look as he's saying this. But life's always busy. Yeah. 
And life's busy when you and I are like But at together. least I got you there to take the kids while I TikTok or whatever. We're not doing... When we TikTok, the kids are napping and lose on quiet time. No, but... It's look, all the same. Betty if anything, wasn't napping. If anything, it's easier. Betty wasn't napping. Me. Okay, then do it throughout the week. That's it. I'm not going to have a domestic here. <laughs> okay, uh, moving on. New COVID strain. Oh, right. Yeah. Ruined your big St. Martin trip that you had planned because you were the one you really needed a getaway and it Mm -hmm. couldn't be any getaway. It had to be a beach getaway. Yeah, guys, I like I have been like truly on the brink and brink of what insanity. And I'm not feeling so postpartum ragey anymore. Like that has really seemed to subside. I feel like in the past few weeks that's not a relief that means it's just me bothering you right now yeah 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 but that's okay that's just like not for me it's just <laughs> life it's just me no no no. you don't bother me that much um really? no i i feel like i bother you more than you bother me and then me bothering you really bothers me <laughs> do you know do you yeah, know what i mean I, i'm so easy like i'm I, this i feel like i'm so easy I guess you're easy if you don't have to do anything. Like if there's no responsibilities, yeah, you're easy. What you're hard at is if I gave you a list of five things to do, you would go, yep. And then I would say, you doing those tomorrow? You go, yep. And then I'd say, you sure? You'd say, don't ask me. Come on, trust me. The next day I go, did you do that? You'd go, oh, I forgot. And then it just would never get done. Shady boy, I thought we weren't going to have a domestic here. We're not, but you were asking, <laughs> you, you, you prodded no, yeah. me and no, wanted I know, to know, I know how I know. you're difficult. That's how I you're know. difficult. It's infuriating because it's always done with borderline psychotic manner. Yeah, it's psychotic. What is psychotic? Just that you can straight face me every time and because say, because I have that of course, intention. Of course I'm going to do it. Because that's my intention. Set a reminder on your phone, Alex. Shane. I have 30. I do have 30. I do have 30. My intentions are pure. And when it doesn't happen, it's not me sitting there being like, oh, you know how I'm going to screw with Shane this Sunday. And then like planning it. It just happens because. For five years it happens consistently. That is. That is a lot. Did you know? Well, here, maybe we need to get me tested. Did you know lupus affects your memory? I'm not kidding you. When I got, I'm not kidding. <laughs> when, I, when I listen, when I got diagnosed, I had to sit and do cognitive tests for like three hours one morning. It was a part of the whole testing process, and they made me do all these like memory tests and everything like that. It's not about memory; it's about putting an effort and, and knowing, memory. Yeah, knowing your deficiency. You can't put in an effort if you forget yes, that you have you to can. do something. Knowing you have a memory problem means I recognize my deficiency. I put in steps to combat that right. i have the worst memory in the world but you know what i do okay so i get the i get the reminder on my phone but i'll be like doing something changing a diaper at work something and i'm like okay great i'll do this in 10 minutes and then the 10 minutes comes and i'm, I'm doing something else and i forget to do it every day for five years yes okay all right i'm that's just frustrating for me no i get and that i feel bad that you have this condition i didn't know i'm just learning that lupus <laughs> Has this extra thing to it now? Where was this excuse every other time? I don't know if this is the problem, but now you're making it seem like this actually might be a problem. I never thought that my lupus affected my memory, but maybe it does. Wow. I thought I was exempt from that. I apologize. I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm sorry. Well, Shane, maybe we should. Honestly, maybe I should get tested again to see. 
Yeah, 100%. Let's do that. But it is hard to be be in a business relationship <laughs> with someone like this. Because let's face it, if you were a business partner in real life and we weren't married, you'd be the worst partner ever, right? Like, you know that. You're like, And I, I feel like you can do your other job competently. Yeah, very. Why can't you do this competently? Because then I'm so tired by the time we're at home doing this stuff because I'm doing stuff all day long for this job too. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and the, here's the thing. This is like what you wanted to do. I, I'm just I still trying to do. help you. And I love now it. I'm more obsessed with, I'm more in the maternity world than you are. Get out of here. I love it. <laughs> okay. Uh, what was my last topic? <laughs> uh, okay, Alex's failure to keep the business going. Alex's failure. I'm just reading my notes here. Down. Fire guy threatening. He says he has a blog shooting the pilot. Alex taking over the account. Okay. Oh, Peloton use. Do you like the Peloton or not? It feels like you don't want to go no, on it. No, I love it. I love the Peloton. It is my favorite way to wake, to work out. I told you, Shane, I, I can't – I didn't speak with you about how I was feeling on the brink of insanity because uh, you were busy with your shoot and I didn't want to sully that. But I was not doing well. Okay, but – Mentally. W- why I bring that up, I noticed that you weren't doing well. Mm-hmm. I could tell by the way you were uh, yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought something's off here. <laughs> but I, the Peloton and working out in general or getting some sort of movement on, I do feel like mm-hmm. it, it does make you a better person. And oh that's my God, why, I, I agree. you know, you look better than you've ever looked. This has nothing to do with being in shape or anything, but I do feel like it releases endorphins and it does make you a happier person. And that's the only reason I implore you to maybe give it more of a shot and maybe put in that time well you know what for me it is it's i am so exhausted uh by the time i get home so like if i'm gonna peloton then i have that opportunity at what five right when the kids start eating uh well you watch the kids or when they're in bed or you'll but that makes it even harder because i can't once they're in bed once they're in bed i am done i am checked the hell out i cannot do anything you'd five be surprised o'clock, 20 no, minutes no, no, you'd be no. surprised five o'clock is the best shot and just because it's even a little bit earlier and just mentally I'm there. But I've just been – I've been so exhausted. And then it's the cycle of being exhausted, feeling overwhelmed, feeling kind of depressed and stressed because you're feeling that way. And then not wanting to do anything because you're feeling so in the dumps and tired. But doing something helps with that. It helps with feeling in the dumps. It helps with feeling tired and it gives you more energy and all that. But it's hard to bring yourself from one place to the next. However, I feel that now that your shoot's done, because usually on the weekends, I get a little bit of extra sleep. You'll take the kids downstairs in the morning. I'll sleep and finally do some catch up. But I, I, I haven't had that for the last month. And I've just been so wiped. And I felt as if it was almost, you know how I was like so sleep deprived when Betty was a newborn or Lucy was a newborn, whatever. I felt the same as I did then, where it's like all day, every day, I'm cloudy. I'm just in a haze. I don't feel myself. And then at night, I'm so exhausted and what, whatever. It was it was brutal. But I feel like now that you're home, this morning was the best start to the day I slept in. Woke up feeling like a million freaking bucks and doing the same tomorrow. I'll pelly tomorrow. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Well, this is easier said than done, but I've found when I am really exhausted, mm-hmm. it's almost like when you're really full of dinner, but you have room for dessert. 
Yeah. This is a weird analogy, but when I'm super exhausted and I feel like I can't move, somehow I can still play basketball <laughs> for an hour or yeah. work out for 20 minutes. And then I feel so much better afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it is hard to just put your butt on that seat and break that like seven seconds of courage that is required to mm-hmm. do that thing that's a little out of your comfort zone. But I don't think you'd ever regret it or feel like you can always sit on the Peloton, start, and then just stop. Say, nope, I tried. And then I'm not, I just can't do it. I actually am too exhausted. But I think that would be very rare. We will see. I can't because... I always feel, even if I'm feeling super energetic, I always feel like, oh, I really don't want to do this until the seven minute minute mark passes. Mm -hmm. After seven minutes, I will work out like a banshee. But for the first seven minutes of any workout like in my life, oh my God, it's awful. And I think about quitting the entire time. Like not a second goes by in my head where I'm like, ugh, I just got to stop. Like this is brutal. I'm going to have a terrible workout. Seven minutes goes by and I'm like, yeah, Cody Rigsby. And we're dancing and Pelotoning. I'm singing. It's the best. Yeah, not to brag here, but I found my biggest complaint about the Peloton. I find it too easy now. (laughs) I've been doing it so much that I I hardly feel like I'm breaking a sweat. Well, are you maybe switch it up? Maybe do a different coach? Like, yeah, I did do one coach that was different once, other than Cody Rigsby, and uh, she was so hard. Yeah, that I was thinking, oh, this is going to cause me to have a negative association because it's too hard. Mm-hmm. So if I had to pick, I'd rather have it be a little too easy than a little too hard. At this point, I do think in the winter after Christmas, I'm going to oh, amp yeah. it up and say, let's go hard and let's test my body anyway. But this even, been, even with yeah. even with Cody, just turn up the resistance and then make it like harder I do. that way. I do. Good, yeah. But it's much easier to follow what the instructor says than to feel yeah. like you're no, o- no. overexerting yourself. Anyway, this has been a long intro for me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to pick on you. I do want you to just, I don't know, thrive in what you want to thrive at I'm, you and know be what? happy. And I'm if both. you want to quit this blog and this podcast, let's quit. That's it. I don't want to cause problems in a relationship. Why are you even bringing that up? I don't want to quit you, dingus. Well, every time I do, you say this and then it feels like, oh, is the juice worth the squeeze Are you here? joking me? <laughs> yes, I am. That was a joke. Now, <laughs> listen, we've got a great guest on today. But before we get to this guest, let's tell everyone who we are supported by. We are supported by Tushy. Shane, the future of toileting has arrived. You can say that again. (laughs) All right. It's technically been around for centuries, but it's been hideously expensive, costing thousands. However, the brand new Hello Tushy 3.0 modern bidet attachment is here to level the playing field. It's stylish. It's eco-friendly. It's easy to install. And most importantly, it's affordable. How much we talking here? $79, but you're going to save once I hit you up with the promo code. So listen Ah. in but the hello tushy 3.0 doesn't just clean your butt with a precise stream of fresh water it cleans itself before and after each use with the smart spray automatic self-cleaning nozzle so it attaches to your toilet it requires no electricity or additional plumbing and it cuts toilet paper use by 80 percent that's massive so the hello tushy bidet pays for itself in just a few months and because with hello tushy you don't wipe really you just Poop, spray, pat dry, and go off on your day. And with this one, 
Sanitation is simple. The Schmutz Shield offers easy cleaning and the knobs are naturally antimicrobial. And if you've already got a tush on your pot like we do, upgrade to the new 3.0 model. But if you're new to the revolution, join millions of happy Hello Tushy customers right now and have a clean butt with every flush. So go to hellotushy.com slash thisfamilytree and get 10% off your order and free shipping on the Tushy Bidet, which is, as we said, only $79. The offer is available in Canada and in the US. And again, that is hellotushy.com slash thisfamilytree. We are also supported by the Miku Pro Smart Baby Monitor. This is the most accurate sleep and breathing monitor that you can get your hands on. And we've tested them all. So take our word for it. We've tested so many of them, actually. <laughs> Almost. Yeah, probably not them all, but we've tested so many that we really know a good one when we have it. Oh my gosh. And one of my favorite things about the Miku Pro is that it makes no physical contact with your baby because they use like some military grade James Bond level sensor fusion technology. So it just, it detects perfectly your baby's breathing patterns. You don't want a monitor touching your baby? No. Sometimes you have to like wear a certain sock or like put a chest strap on. You know, it's we it's weird. Not in our house. <laughs> Not in our house. And the sensor fusion, it works with your smartphone to alert you of changes to your baby's vitals and to nursery conditions. And it really is exact. Now, let me ask you this, Alex. Mm -hmm. Let's say a hacker wants to just peek in on your baby. Well, that's that ain't gonna happen, Shane. How? To Why? Put it, How is to it put gonna it stop it? Because there's no hacking, Shane. They use crypto security. Do I know what that means? No. No. Do you know what that means? Of course not. Right. But it's great. And it does stop digital hacking because that is a thing that happens with these newer smart baby monitors and like Which is horror shocking. stories. Yeah. yeah. But there are horror stories about that. And it really is terrifying. But this, uh, the Miku Pro can give you a lot of peace of mind knowing that that can happen with this. Plus, they've got all the favorites. Like the monitor offers HD video and photos, amazing night vision. And it also has custom dual Ole Wolf speakers and a two-way microphone, which means that Miku not only plays original sleep sounds and lullabies, but it allows you to talk to your baby and to comfort them, you know, like from a distance. It's better quality than our plasma screen. It is. <laughs> it is amazing. So you can get this at MikuCare.com. And if you use the promo code FAMILYTREE10, you're getting 10% off. This is US only, but again, that is MikuCare.com and FAMILYTREE10 because no other monitor is a Miku. And now let's get to our interview with Polly Shore. Polly, thank you so much for joining us today. Sorry, we are hiding in our bedroom. We don't usually look this, uh, what? I don't even know what to call this, but we're hiding from the kids who we couldn't get rid of tonight. Yeah, so we're doing it in the bedroom, but uh, we're very honored to have you on. I've been a fan of yours for many, many years. In fact... Uh, What's going on with, with the kids? Where are they? Who's got them? Grandma. Nona oh, has yes. them. <laughs> you <laughs> no, don't even no. know. <laughs> but Your grandma's got them? Yeah, downstairs. Yes. So we, we, we're hiding in our bedroom right now. And How it's old a, are they? A disaster. We have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Oh, wow. We're yeah. going so through you're it. Right, you're right there. It's yeah. hellish sometimes. We're, we're in the thick of it. Yeah. We're really amazing. We're feeling life right now. Yeah. How are <laughs> how are you doing? Well, sometimes I wish I had a one-year-old and a three-year-old. You know, it must it must fulfill your heart though, right? I mean, of course. That's why you did it. Or, or at least that's why people tell told you to do it. We did it, I think, because we were half in the bag and a little uh 
feeling each other. But no, I think it's it's because we wanted to have children because I thought this is the life experience. You have two kids, and I just thought that was the mission when you go into life. But some people choose not to have kids, like you. Like for you, it's like your work is your child, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, you know, it's, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I'm kind of a mess, you know, when it comes to that whole thing. Yeah, it's, um, you know, being in a relationship, as you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, uh, you have to give a lot, you have to not be selfish, you have to, you know, not think of yourself, think of, and, you know, my whole life, you know, I've kind of had the run of the world you know, growing up at the store and, and, and my parents were divorced when I was three and no parental supervision. So that's why I say I'm a mess. You know what I mean? So unless you want a girl that wants to marry a mess and, uh, then I don't think, you know, I don't think, uh, it's in the cards right now. Um, but I do get lonely and, and there's a lot of times that, you know, like, uh, you know, having my pillow between my legs in the middle of the night, you know, is okay, but then you you need it to be warm. So maybe I'll just piss on it or something, you know? Yeah, piss would help. Yeah, you have one of those big, long pillows, right? It's meant to, like, comfort you, a body pillow? Yeah, you stick it, you know, you stick it in between your legs and you, you know, and you, uh, you know, and it's good. I mean, you know, uh, but, you know, especially during the holidays, it's, it's hard for me, you know, not having that. So, you know, I even talked to my friend Miles this morning, and, you know, it's kind of like, you know, he's in the same boat as me. So, you just, you know, your friends become your family. Mm. It sounds a little corny, but, uh, you know, even like I'm the guy at Thanksgiving now that gets invited to the Thanksgiving. Like, oh, he's the he's the guy that gets invited to the Thanksgiving as opposed to like the couples and, the you know, my parents. And because I used to be the guy making the Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and 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 um, so. You know, it's difficult. And I have two siblings. Uh, and, uh, you know, I talk to one, I don't talk to the other, the other one doesn't want a relationship with me, which is pretty sad, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I feel that because he's got a couple kids. So I don't have a relationship with them. Um, and I'm not trying to play victim. I'm just trying to say that's just kind of how it is. Yeah, no, fam- family is so tough. And you know, you speak about, you know, growing up at the store, and then also your parents being separated. All those things, I, I there's this one poem I read like ages ago, and it said, they fuck you up, your mom and dad. They may not mean to, but they do. And in so many ways, I think that kind of plays on everybody. And I'm curious with you, you know, you got into relationships. What do you think had a bigger impact on how you are with the relationships growing up at the store around all these like, you know, hilarious people, but that often had a lot of mental health problems or your parents being separated? So, so what's the question? What fucked me up more? Or? <laughs> it's sense. an A or B question. She's presuming you're yeah, no, fucked no, up because of it. Yeah. Well, no, because you were saying in relationships, right? That kind of thing. can It's a mess sometimes. You know, I have a trust issue with women because of, you know, I don't like to use the word fame because that sounds gross. But a lot of people know me from the movies and they know me from you know, from, you know, whatever it is that I've done and that's what they're attracted to. And then, and then they realize like, Oh, wait a minute. That's kind of, that's who he is. It's part of his gig, but that's not who he really is. Who he really is, is 
you know, this guy that's kind of a mess, <laughs> you know, back to the mess thing. And when I say mess, I'm not a bad mess. I'm just a mess. Like I'm, I don't know. I'm all over the place. You know, I'm all over the place. You can't be that way in a relationship. So until I can shift, you know, out of being about me, even my fucking dog, you know, like he went crazy this week when I went to LA, like I had my assistant take care of him, but I come home and he's like ripped up half the fucking yard. (laughs) And a lot of it, you know, a lot of is it me saying like, shit, like if, if, if that's how I have, I'm with my dog, how the fuck I'm going to be with the kid? You know what I mean? Like, well, obviously, you know, if you have a nanny, it's a good nanny. My assistant, Mike, I'm not saying is not, he's not the right person to be taking care of my dog, but you know, maybe he needs to shift a little and be a little bit more because my dog is very needy, you know? Oh yeah. And his name's Buster. And he's like, you know, He's like, yo, if you're not here, I'm going to fuck shit up. So <laughs> that's just kind of how it's going to be. So take me with you. And then um, <clears throat> and I'll be good. Even last night, excuse me, last night, we went to Wise Guys here in Las Vegas to do a show, to do some stand-up. And I'm like, should we take Buster? And he's like, no, let's just leave. I'm like, no, dude, fuck that. Bring Buster. That's not cool. He wants to come. He wants to roll with us. So we brought the dog to the comedy club. You know, he was there. And then after we went to Sand Dollar, which is a bar here in, in um, Vegas, we brought the dog there and he had a great time. And everyone, he jumped on the people and, you know, he lied <laughs> down and I'm like, hey, he just wants to roll. And then I went to I went to coffee this morning and I, I brought who? Buster. Yeah. I brought Buster dog, yeah. because he wants to roll. Like I was going <laughs> to put him on the podcast, but, you know, but my point is, is I made a, a commitment to, to adopt a dog when he was this big. So, you know, I got to like, <clears throat> I got to take him to LA with me. You know what I mean? I can't, you know, and, and then I saw a guy in the plane with the dog and they say, Oh, well you can make him a service dog. You know, I'm like, dude, I'm already fucked up enough. I think people understand <laughs> that it's a service dog. Like, Oh yeah, he really needs a service dog for sure. So <laughs> you say you're fucked up, but that's so responsible of you to be able to recognize that. Cause a lot of people, they don't know, know anything about themselves and then they have children and then it fucks them up. And I, I was curious about your childhood. Cause I, I see one of two things with your childhood. It could either be amazing or you may not have enjoyed it. But for me being around all those comedians, it must've been great. Or am I wrong? No, it was, I would say 90% amazing, but then there was heavy shit that happened, a couple of heavy incidents that happened that, that, that was pretty dramatic. I was dating a porno star girlfriend that I fell in love with. You know, uh, my mom loved her as well. She's beautiful, sweetheart, really nice person. And, um, and she killed herself. Oh my and uh, yeah, and that was really, really, and she was only fucking 23. I was going to say, wow. yeah. And how old were you at the time? I was uh, probably about 25, 26. Okay. We weren't, we weren't dating at the time, but we were still friends. She was my friend. You know what I mean? So that was a heavy thing. And then when Sam Kennison died, that was uh, really, really heavy for me because, you know, I looked up to him and, you know, I followed him around and, and he was like my, my mentor. So that fucked me up. And then there was, you know, some other things here and there, you know, heavy shit. Mm-hmm. But all in all, you know, um, you know, everyone wants me to write a book and do a documentary and on the one man show. So that's kind of what I've been doing in the last, you know, I don't know, three to five years is working on that. And it's 
it's all coming, it's all coming to a head because everyone is so fascinated with, with, oh, you grew up around the comedians in the store. And I'm like, well, I'm going to just do the book. I'll do the documentary. I'll do the one man show and I'll put it out. And then I don't have to talk about it again. And that's kind of why I'm doing it. Yeah. And are you, are you just going to go full into all those topics? Like I think of Shannon's death yeah. and that's yeah. like, that is more than heavy, Polly. Like that's so huge. So fucking heavy. It was so fucked up. And I was, I paid for her funeral. You know, I, I put her, 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 her reception on at my house and I loved her. You know what I mean? She was such a sweet person, you know, and, and that was what my mom taught me, you know, growing up is, 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 you know, I never judge people, mm-hmm. you know, I, I never judge people for what they do. I judge them for who they are. And she was just a, a lost girl. And she, and she, you know, and she was fucked up, you know, she got, she got caught up and I just cared about her because I cared about her as a person. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she was just my friend. And so that still fucks me up, you know, it's still, you know, it's still heavy oh, stuff. Would. So, yeah. So. Oh, when something like that happens, uh, does it make you go off the deep end in terms of like drugs or alcohol, or does it make you not want to do any of those things? No, I, I actually learned what not to do, you know, around there, you know, and again, I don't like to pat myself on the back. It's not, I'm just not a drug addict. You know, I don't have that in my system. I don't have to go like at two drinks. I'm good. You know what I mean? I don't have to smoke so much weed or do drugs. I'm not that guy. I've never been that guy. So I think, I think that has a lot to do with it, but I do get sad. You know what I mean? I do get sad, you know, when I think about my family, it's a hard time for me right now. You know, I'm very fragile, uh, you know, with, with my mom not, and dad not being around and, and not talking to my one brother. And me and my one brother are cool. He's coming in town this week. We're going to go see the Foo Fighters. And, um, and that'll be really fun. So, you know, and my cousin, I have a cousin, Shauna. She came to visit me with her family. So I have a lot of positive, but then there's that, that heavy shit that's still kind of like is still there, you know? So, but then part of me is like, wait a minute, you know, like if I was having a relationship with them, would I, would I still have that feeling? And I'm like, well, maybe I still would. Maybe it's something else. Like, I don't know, Mm -hmm. you know? So I don't know. Maybe it's something deeper. I don't know. Yeah. And I don't want to speak at a turn here, but I, I heard that your mother had dementia, was diagnosed with that before she unfortunately passed and sometimes you hear people say it's like losing them twice once when the uh, dementia diagnosis and then again when they actually pass on for you was it like that or was just the passing on the hardest part it was the whole thing was exhausting yeah i mean the whole thing was fucking exhausting she was sick for 15 years wow so 15 years i'm on the road i'm touring you know i'm around love i'm around my fans i'm i'm you know, but what's going on behind the scenes, she's falling, you know, she's on this medication and da, 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 da. And I think, you know, I did this documentary called stands alone, which is out there now. And that was like a, a great snapshot into what I was going through at the time, which was, you know, and anyone in their forties or fifties is going through it. So if you're in your forties, you guys are in your forties or twenty, whatever. I mean, when you get older, older, you're going to see it, you know, and it's very relatable. Like, you know, we, we put on this, this face and the smile, like we go out there, but underneath it, shit's, shit's going down, you know? And, um, 
And that's just life, you know, and, and, and I always have this thing where I say to myself, you know, it's okay to mourn, but don't sit in the mourn. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to sit there for weeks going, oh, 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 but during the holidays, it's a little fucking gnarlier, you know? Yeah. No, yeah. it's, it, it's so hard. And like, I think about the things that, you know, if there's anything I'd say fucked me up, it was the death of my grandmother who I was, she was like another parent. So it wasn't just like that grandparent relationship. She was like a best friend, a parent type thing. And that was really hard. And when you say sit in the morn, for the first year after that, after she passed, that's what I did. Like, I remember the first uh, New Year's Eve, like Shane and I were trying to have like a romantic New Year's Eve and I just got super drunk and I was sitting in it and I was bawling my eyes out and it was like that, I feel like, for two years. It was hard to pull myself out of there. So do you ever, ever like, find yourself going to sit in it? And then what do you do to pull yourself out of it? You just get out of victim. I, I mean, unfortunately, I've done group therapy for 30 years. So I have uh, mechanisms and, and things that I can kind of kind of gets me out of different things that, you know, kind of like AA, you know, if you're an alcoholic, you have mechanisms to kind of help you shift out of you know, wanting to drink, you know, there's a lot of people that are alcoholics, they'll go to a bar and they won't drink because they have these mechanisms, you know, I guess they're called 10 steps or whatever they're, where they're called, where they, where they do that. So for me, you know, I had some mechanisms that I insert into my life, you know, Mm -hmm. because, you know, you you gotta, it sounds corny, but you really have to look at what you have, not what you don't have. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, a, a very simple kind of analogy like I have a girlfriend of mine in LA we went on a hike last week and she's straight in victim mode victim 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 you know what I mean I'm like like yo we're we're fucking we're walking right now you know how many people I can't walk you know what I mean we have legs so stop being a little you know what I mean like you're beautiful you know I started telling her all these things that she had but again, during the holidays, it's it's a fucking it's a fucked up time mm-hmm. because you look at the photos and you look at yeah. the th- the times and all that shit. I'm doing this um this Zoom thing on my um on my my YouTube and on my, on my social media next week where I, and I'm posting it today. I'm doing a thing. It's called uh holiday. Okay, it's called holidays without my parents. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's basically I'm reaching out to fans all over that want to do a zoom with me and, and talk about what it's like being in the holidays without both your parents and, you know, try to help each other while we're on the call simultaneously try to help the people that are watching that are hurting right now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That are kind of going through uh, that. And because I think it's a, I think it's a group, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, so I'm going to putting them together and I'm going to do that um, because it's kind of what I'm going through. And, mm-hmm. and I think other people are going through it as well. Yeah. So Absolutely. many people. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm lucky enough to have both my parents, but my mom has stage four cancer right now. So you do start Jesus counting. Christ. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. Mm-hmm. No, and thank she's you. probably fucking young. Yeah. Well, she's six, 65. Yeah. So she's not old. Yeah. But. That's like mm-hmm. fucking that's it's young. Mm-hmm. That's insane. You know, yeah, and yeah. now we are going to do an introduction to this podcast uh, when we're uh, this interview is over. But for people listening right now, uh, when we mention your mom, we're talking about Mitzi Shore, who f- some people may not know is one of the most famous people ever 
in the comedy industry and she shaped so many people's careers and she was beyond being a great business person she was a a talent scout her main talent was recognizing talent was she able to recognize your talent growing up she made it extra hard on me for sure you know she played she definitely played me you know what i mean she definitely played me uh we didn't get along you know there was a time where i decided to do stand-up and I was hanging out with Kennison and I, I don't want to go into the whole details because I talk about it in my book and, yep. and I talk about it on the one man show and all that stuff. I, you know, that whole relationship, but you know, I had to, I, I had to make it quick, put it that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I had to like make it quick because I would have been like, what an embarrassment to her. You know what I mean? So it put extra pressure on me to, um, to go fuck. Like I got to like step this shit up. So like I started when I was 17 and then I made it on MTV when I was 21, 22. So that was pretty quick, yeah. you know, nice. but even, even after I made it on MTV and I was like drawing people to the store, she still didn't want to make me a paid regular. And I'm like, mom, there's people here to see me. She goes, you're not ready yet. It's doesn't, I don't give a fuck. You're not ready. You know? And she was right. You know what I mean? I tell that to a lot of these young guys that opened for me. You know what I mean? And they go on tour with me like this guy, Jesus Trejo, you know, he's he's starting to hit right now. And but he opened for me for eight years, mm-hmm. you know, and and, you know, and Bobby Lee opened for me for eight years and they all opened for me. And I put them through the you know, I take them out to America mm-hmm. because you can play L.A. and you can play New York, but you can play America. That's a whole different thing. That's mm-hmm. where you want to. That's where you want to play. L.A. and New York's like goofy, goofy, you know, whatever. But you want to go out to the hearts of America. That's really the beat of, of what's happening, you know? Yeah. And you you said she was right in that, you know, you weren't ready, whatever. Did you resent that or appreciate that? I resented it. You mm-hmm. know, of course. It's like because it's she's two people to me. She's Mitzi Shore, but I'm like, she's my mom. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, we went to therapy. It was bad. I mean, she kicked me out of the house. All that shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was it was fucked up. It was like it was, you know, it it was it was fucked up. But but when I made it and I hit, then she's like, well, I want to move back into the house. I'm like, oh, now you want me to move back in. Right. You know, and and oh, yeah. And but it is what it is, you know. So what are you going to do? But my whole life, I've always I've always like worked, you know, really hard at whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Well, even when I was younger, I was a mod. I don't know if you guys know what a mod is. No, it's like the style. I don't. Is that yeah, is that a style like, thing? Yeah, it's kind of like uh, if you look at uh, there's an old movie called Quadrophenia uh, okay. that st- that Sting starred in. Uh, you know, Sting from the yeah, police. Yeah, it's like a futuristic like, thing, right? And his hair. No, no, like no, 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 oh, no, okay. no, 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 no. No, the mods was a, was a movement kind of like rockabilly or punk rock or 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 that kind of mm-hmm. era, and it was started in England. But I was like so into being a mod, like I was obsessed. <laughs> So I had my, my, I had, I drive down and I even spoke like I was from England and I spoke in an accident like this and I would take speed and me and my friends would drive down, drive down a sunset and we, I wouldn't take a lot of it, but I would like take a speed pill just to feel like I was like from England (laughs) and, and, uh, we would, we would, uh, we would drive down sunset and we'd park our scooters in front of, uh, the Roxy and we watch bands like the untouchables and, and stuff like that. The point that I'm making is 
I always put my heart and my soul into anything that I did. Even when I was a kid, I was on the junior Pepsi team. I was 11 years old. So I used to get free Pepsi shit, you know, free Pepsi gear. Cause I was always like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when my career, my career slowed down and I had that shift, what I did was, is I started making my own stuff. Yeah. So I, you know, when I did Pauly Shore is dead, that was like the first, that was like, I call that the first part of the second part of my career. Cause that's like, Oh shit, <clears throat> I got to figure this out. I've never directed before, even though I directed on my MTV show, I never went to school, you know, for directing. I didn't, but I just figured it out. And then ever since Polly Shore's dead, which was over 20 years ago, I've been producing, directing and doing my own stuff. And, you know, and it worked out for me because, you know, the internet took shape, what, 10 years ago. And I was able to kind of like, I can make stuff anywhere from scratch, you know? Yeah, you're doing so much. I look at your YouTube channel. You have a million things on the go. You're doing stand-up. You're making the docu-series. So many things. Is the maybe lack of approval from your parents, do you feel like that's the motor that keeps your drive going or maybe planted that seed and you're just caught up in it? I think it's just the challenge. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just being challenged. It's almost like Kobe Bryant, you know what I mean? Where he's like, fuck, I'm going to win this Mm -hmm. championship. You know, the challenge of like, you know, trying to, you know, trying to handle this shit, you know, even when I got the movie Guest House, you know, that was challenging. I had, to, you know, I had to, it was the first time director, you know what I mean? It was first script. I had to like go in there and really roll my sleeves up and put my stamp on it. I had to introduce them to, you know, the music supervisors and this. I mean, it was just like a whole thing, you know, and because and, it's a team effort. You know, we're all a team, you know, we're all what's best for the movie, Mm -hmm. not what's best for me. What's best for the movie? Oh, I know this guy, this guy here. Try this guy. You want to try, you know what I mean? And just help out everyone, you know, and I learned I learned that from, you know, from figuring it out myself. Yeah. In in my research for this interview, it seems as though the that movie came about in a roundabout way from your Joe Rogan uh, appearance. And then because you were talking in that appearance about how you wanted to get on set again and you were very vulnerable and open about that and so raw and honest. And then I, I was really well watching that interview. I remember I was like, I hope Polly gets on like a big studio film. And this movie we're talking about, Guest House, it looks like a big studio film. So when you got on set, did it feel the same as it did back in the 90s when you were shooting a film like Encino Man, Son-in-Law? Yeah, it felt like I was home. Yeah. You know, I felt like I was home. Do you prefer at this point taking control and doing your own thing, creating things on your own, being content creator or getting on a set like that? I mean, my my ultimate goal is what everyone else's ultimate goal is, is what happened to Mickey Rourke, you know, when he did The Wrestler and what happened to Simon Rex, which we all know, you know, starring in this new movie. Of so, course, I mean, that's Red really, yeah. yeah, that's really you know, the, the ultimate goal for anyone like me. I mean, Chris Rock, you could go down the list, Kevin Hart, anyone that's up or down, Jack Black, anyone wants to be knighted by a, a, a what they call it, the darling director. You know what I mean? A director of Sundance, you know, you work with A24, you know, you work with one of these companies, you know, that's the ultimate goal because the money, you know, is I'm not motivated by money. I've never, mo- ma- never been motivated by money. It's always about, 
the, you know, the project and the work, you know, always about who's the producer, who's the director. And so for Simon, I'm so proud of him and I'm so happy for him. And I'm not shocked that he did a good job. I'm just happy that God brought this, this director into his life and called him up and said, yo, let's do this shit. And he fucking did it. It's awesome. Yeah. And it's, it really did seem like the, a perfect project for him. You, you guys have a similar career trajectory. I would say like, it's almost like your career twin. So I could definitely picture something like that or an opportunity or role happening like that for you. In fact, I was looking at your YouTube channel today and you're recreating all these movie scenes and I'm like, ha ha, this is going to be funny. I watch it. You're legitimately acting in all these movie scenes. And in a way that was kind of funny because I was surprised. But in another way, it was making me think Paulie can actually be in a legitimate dramatic film. Yeah. And those are the three points that I wanted to hit, which is why I produced those pieces. I wanted people to think exactly what you thought, which is this is going to be goofy. And then they say, oh, shit, it's not goofy. And then they say, oh, shit. He could be in a dramatic, you know, in a dramatic role. And then they say, oh, wait a minute. This it's kind of funny that it's not funny. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That that I, I went through that. Which is why I did it, because, you know, I miss acting. I mean, I mm-hmm. say it all the time. You know what I mean? And why I produced those pieces is because, you know, when I produced them, it was like, I just want to I want to I'm in Vegas. I want to come up with a simple way to act. And I don't need other actors you know, to help me do this. So um, I I connected with my team of people that helped me with put it together. And, and we did it. And I got emotionally, I got out all those pieces. You know, I love the, uh, the Larry Flint one's cool. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that one. Yes. And uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I saw Sling Blade, Larry Flint, uh, the orgasm scene from When Harry Met Sally. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that was great. A Few Good Men. That I really liked that one. Yeah, Yeah. So yeah, so again, that's me just going like if I'm a heroin addict, you know, that's me just, you know, hitting myself there. So, um, but I think the one man show, I think people will be pleasantly surprised by it because it's definitely not in the cadence of my stand up and it's very kind of slow and it's very, uh, it's very dramatic and it's just about my childhood. Mm-hmm. So the one man show is called Stick with the Dancing. And it's basically that's what my mom said to me after I performed for her for the first time. Because I performed for her uh, and I ended with pop locking, you know, because I was a good pop locker. You know, I'm like pop locking and shit and everyone went crazy. And I'm like, how did I do? She said, stick with the dancing, you know, <laughs> which was like, you know, which is like you saying to your parents, I want to be an actor. And they're saying, go to, you know, go to, you know, become an attorney or something, you know. So so that was kind of like what she said to me. The the one man show is is. um yeah, it's stories about my childhood and it's it's all the stuff that people always ask me about. So mm-hmm. yeah. another speaking of your childhood, another project that I was watching today, which I found to be genius and fascinating was it's all previous babysitters you had in your life. And some of them are, are pa- have passed and you find celebrity impersonators to act out parts and you interview them. I So it made me think I was. What who was your favorite babysitter growing up of all the celebrities that have actually babysat you? Assuming these people have actually babysat you that you're 
your interview? I mean, it, it wasn't really a lot of famous people. It was mostly about people that wanted spots at the store, you know? Yeah. And it was, you know, it was, you know, get in with the boss's kid. You know what I mean? Uh, or get in with the boss who's taking care of the kids. So, you know, we had a uh, Mike Binder, you know, took care of me for a long time. Uh, Argus Hamilton, Mitchell Walters, Jackson Purdue. I don't know. You know, Howie Mandel was there. Paul Rodriguez, Arsenio Hall, you know, Roseanne, you know, they were all there. I mean, my mom was busy at the club and she'd be like, take care of them. And they would just kind of hold me. You know what I mean? So it was like that type of thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, comedy is, 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 you know, a lot of the truth of it is exaggerated. So, you know, you say, oh, I got a thing like when I was on David Letterman, where he says, uh, I said, you took me to Little League. He goes, no, I did. I'm like, yes, you did. And he never did. <laughs> and he never did. But it's I part said, of my routine, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Mike, go with it. You know what I mean? Go with it. I'm trying to set you up here. Do you think that with these, you know, like when you're doing the serious acting and everything and you're getting that response from people, do you think that once you're in a role doing something like that, they'll be able to separate you from the weasel? Like specifically people in our age bracket kind of who have grown up with that. I think if it's done cla like cl like classly or what is that a word cla classy and it's put in a place where it's not you know such a big role and it's kind of like merged in there with you know some of the other actors I think mm -hmm. yeah I think as long as my performance is believable and as long as you know I'm in character yeah I mean it's happened a lot you know and it happens a lot I mean it had to Happened to Eddie Murphy and what was it, Dream Girls? He did that. Wasn't he nominated for an Oscar for that? It happened with obviously Robin Williams because he was the Nanu Nanu guy, you know, and he was all wacky and shit. And, you know, he did Goodwill Hunting. I think that was the first one where he was nominated. I, I know it was Viet Good Morning Vietnam as well. And I'm not saying I'm comparing myself to Robin Williams because he's on another fucking level. But, you know, in the same kind of spirit, you know, as long as it's if, as long as I'm placed properly mm -hmm. and, you know, I think, yeah. OK, Polly, we're just going to take a quick break to let everyone know who we are supported by. We are supported by True Earth. If you listen to our podcast, you know that Shane and I have been trying like for a long time to reduce our environmental footprint. And one way we're doing this is through eliminating single use plastics in our house, which is totally doable. But with two kids and lots of laundry between the four of us, I will say Shane is a very messy eater. Uh, our laundry room has become a bit of a plastic detergent bottle graveyard. Not anymore. Not anymore because we discovered True Earth laundry detergent a few months ago. And Shane, have we looked back at all? No, we don't use double-use plastic, single-use, triple-use. <laughs> we try to be really... Like, I don't know. We're, we're, we're like planeteers now. Some people may not get that reference. Plastic-free planeteers. And this detergent, what we really love about it, comes in pre-measured soluble strips. So you simply rip them apart, like depending on how much you need, and you put them in your wash. All right? It is that easy. And like we said, the best part is that there's no plastic because the packaging is compact. It has drastically changed the tidiness. Oh, it's just neat now. Oh my gosh, we look so tidy. We look like clean A-types, which we're not. And as a family with kids who have super sensitive skin, we usually opt for the baby detergent, even for our own stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
Just adding sound effects at this point. It's fragrance-free and it's gentle on everybody's skin. And it is still so tough on dirt. So our clothes come out smelling great and crispy clean. So check out True Earth Detergent at true.earth and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 to get 10% off your entire order. You will love this product. Please take my word for it. Again, that is true.earth and thisfamilytree10. But we are also supported by... Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. First and best! Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. You know, sometimes I want a drink, but I Mm. don't want a drink, you know? Oh, yes. And Seedlip is so perfect for when I just want that clear-headed morning, but I also want that relaxing after-work vibe. Yeah. Seedlip's my jam. I don't talk like this, but I'm... I never said that phrase you in my life. You do for Seedlip. Yes. Because, you know, as a non-drinker, as you said, it never feels good if your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. But now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. So whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using a bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grove 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. But if you want to make more complex cocktails like the ones that we made tonight, you can find those in the Seedlip cocktail book or on Instagram at seedlip underscore NA. So head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. This is available in Canada and in the US. And again, that is seedlipdrinks.com and thisfamilytree10. And now let's get back to our interview with Polly Shore. Well, the Simon Rex thing. And like, you know, we were rooting hard. Simon was on our podcast a little bit ago, and we were so rooting for him. So when this movie Red Rocket was coming out, we were so pumped. And people go through cycles like that. And like right now, look at Britney Spears, right? She's finally on the come up, getting out of the conservatorship. It's this huge thing. But it's like the people that are pulling her out of that and celebrating her are the people that pushed her down, wanted to see her fail. And the media is, it kills people, right? It slaughters people. Yeah, it's like a surfer paddling out and then the fucking set comes in. Yeah. And you're like, wait a minute, I thought you wanted me to surf the waves and like, <laughs> fuck you, and they throw you down. Did they do that to you? Do you felt like that? Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was, but a lot of it was, a lot of it was my own thing, my own head. You know, I created this, story in my head that I'm all older or my stuff's not cool anymore as opposed to wow you had an awesome run like go go chill out like do something else take a break like you know I didn't look at my life half full mm-hmm. you know which is kind of where I came up with Polly Shore is dead which actually was to me the best movie I've ever done emotionally and I think mm-hmm. acting wise and I think story wise because I think that threaded the line of, you know, appealing to a Polly Shore fan, but also appealing to not a Polly Shore fan, you know, and it was very edgy. Watch it now. You're like, fuck, that's fucking edgy. You know, it's pretty edgy. Yeah. Yeah, No, it's like a crazy postmodern thing. And there's so many people in it. Like it's, it's totally star set. It's, it's so interesting. And do you see yourself doing something like that again? No, it's, that's, that's a very big, you know, I need, I need support like a, like a girl that's got 
bad boobies they need a support bra you know i guess exactly <laughs> me after having two kids <laughs> i don't mind i don't mind doing small things by myself yeah. but when it comes to big things i don't want to write direct da, 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 da. i mean i have some stuff i'm writing right now but i'd rather sell it to a producer and have a producer kind of run with it you know mm -hmm. i kind of want to stay in my lane yeah you know um yeah yeah alex had just mentioned the weasel character I have a hard time describing what that character is. I'm so curious of how it came about. I know I was very addicted to that style of talking, like milk duds and just and you were in that the goofy movie, which is one of Alex's favorite films. <laughs> It is. You, I know. She I'm didn't laughing. know it was you in I'm that laughing. scene, Leaning Tower. Leaning Tower of Pizza. <laughs> yes. I was like, that's Polly Shore. She didn't know for some reason. But how did that character come about? And what would you say are the key things that define that character? I think it was just this guy upstairs and timing. I I, I kind of equivalent it as if that's not even a fucking word. I've said that. It word is now. Okay. <laughs> but it's kind of like Justin Bieber being, you know, being, um, you know, uh, discovered on the steps as he's playing his guitar. You know, it was just yeah. a timing thing. Like, my, you know, I was 19, 20. I was from L.A. I was starting to do my stand-up. My style of stand-up was fucking completely different than anyone else's. And I started going like this on stage. <laughs> it just happened. You yeah. know what I mean? It just happened. And then I started pausing the words. And I did all my kind of... And it was just kind of... It flowed. It wasn't mm -hmm. like Pee Wee Herman... Where I'm like, I'm gonna think about this thing. Da, 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 da. I mean, I literally drove around in my purple Jeep with uh, a license plate that said Paul Bro, handing out my headshots on Sunset. Check me out, dude. I'm good, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like I was in heaven. Like LA back in the 90s was just like, you know. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Pre internet. Yeah. Appetite for Destruction came out. It was like, boom, yeah. you know? I was like, holy shit. But that, so like Guns N' Roses, so so much with music, but then the people you're hanging out with too, like Brad Pitt, Leo, Corey Feldman, Christian Slater, like it's nuts. Was it that? I mean, I'm just asking this personally, like was that as cool as it seems? I'm telling you, I was in heaven. That's what you <laughs> said to me at the beginning. At the beginning of this, you go, was it awesome? I said 90% was fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. And you had the 10% that was fucked up. Yeah, I mean, it was it was, it was was beautiful. I, I auditioned for Francis Ford Coppola once. Wow. You know what I mean? Like For which film? Yeah. I don't remember. It was one of his movies. It was a while ago. I just went in there and he was like hiding behind a fucking thing and <laughs> It was just like, you know, acting class was so much fun. I used to sit, I used to get uh, sides. They were called sides. You know, yes. your agent would send you the sides and you'd print them out. And then you'd put a highlighter by your name and you'd, you'd work it out. And then I'd take my car and I'd park in the driveway at the, at the casting director's office. And I'd, pay, I'd play Peter Gabriel big time on the radio, big time. And I'd like pump myself up. And then I'd fucking be driving home and my agent would be like, you got the part. And I'd be like, bo, bo, bo. you know what I mean? It was just like big time. It was like so exciting. Yeah. It was like this. It was just fun, you know? So right now, I'm sure you're very thankful for the Internet because it allows you to do things independently and you can be creative without needing so many gatekeepers. But back then. Did you love the fact that there was no internet or do you think you would have thrived had it existed back in the 90s? 
I think you have to deal with whatever it is at the time in your life. So it's like I would have done whatever I was doing back then on the Internet as I'm doing now. You know, I'm still the same guy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, instead of having what, 300,000 followers on Instagram, I'd have, you know, three million. Yeah. You know, because because I would be that guy on MTV or, yes. or no. you know, Rob Deirdrick or Deirdrick from yeah. yep. from ridiculous. He's got did, like, yeah. you know, he's like he's like, you know, the guy. So like my social media would be bigger, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because I would be like the guy on MTV. So but I would still be doing the same shit. Yeah. You know? OK, well, I'll put it to you this way, then. Um, haven't you've lived on both sides of the equator of fame pre-internet and now what was better? Definitely before. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Everyone's on edge now. <laughs> yes. You know, everyone's scared about everything. You can't yeah. say this. You can't say that. And, and you know, there was no such thing as canceled. It was like, oh, I'm sorry. And that was it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or like, you know, uh, you know, I'm sorry. Or you apologize. Or, hey, get over it. You know, it's just a joke, you know. And yeah. now, you know, you can't make fun of, you know, genders or different things you know in a certain way i guess you can in certain places but you have to watch your butt you know um and you have to kind of skate that line you know i'm not bill burr and i'm not you know and i'm not dave Chappelle. those guys are like you know uh on another level you know when it comes to material and when it comes to where they go with it i'm i'm not i don't want to say i'm not as good as a stand-up them but i'm not i mean they're just like this i watched bill burr last week and i'm like jesus christ Mm-hmm. This guy's fucking like insane. You well, know? well, your vibe too is just different than theirs. Mm-hmm. They're, yeah. you know, you're more, I don't know how to describe it, but it's, it's very interesting and fun and, I, and it's unique too. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted to ask. You're obviously MTV is your big break, but what was your break to get your big break to be on MTV? I'd have to say um, I did a show called Comic Strip Live. It was uh, it was hosted by a guy named John Mulroney, and it was basically he was the host. He'd bring up young comedians, and they did it at the Laugh Factory. And I did six minutes, and I fucking smashed it. I killed it. We took that tape, we sent it to MTV, and then MTV kind of brought me back because I had fucked up my first audition for them. And um, and they said, "Oh wow, like this guy is kind of hot now." And then it just that. So I'd have to say, comic strip live because my stand up was hitting. And I was right in that fucking place of like, oh, shit, this guy's going to blow up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a great shot. It was like the old days of like, I guess, you know, being on The Tonight Show and doing like a great set for Johnny Carson. All of a sudden you get a sitcom. Yeah. Yeah. That's how that's how it was back then. Well, but- everybody, everybody was watching it like there was more of a sense of community in that way because everybody's watching the same thing everybody's talking about it the next day whereas now it's like channels, yeah. hey have you seen this and it's like i've never heard of that show but it could be the biggest thing within one group and it, it's kind of isolating now yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's it's you know it's definitely it's sad you know it's sad but you know i'm lucky i made it again looking at things half full 100%. you know i'm, I'm lucky I, i'm lucky i made it when i made it i'm lucky i got in there before this, this, you know, as the Jews say, the Mishigas or whatever it's fucking called, you know, now I'm just trying to, you know, just keep on creating stuff, you know. Would you have done anything differently? Like looking back on it now, hindsight 2020. Well, 
I'm an emotional person, you know, so a lot of times, a lot of the decisions I make is through my heart and not my head. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I think maybe I should have thought more about some stuff, excuse me, career-wise that that maybe, you know, I should have thought about the repercussions, you know, and really, but I was young and I wanted to work. So you know, when you say repercussions, do you mean like the decision to cut your hair or something like that? Yeah, that, that was one thing. That was one thing. Yeah, because I was known for my hair, but I was also kind of like burnt on it as well. I was like kind of inter- internally, I was like, it's not in- I'm not into it, you know? And even like when I turned 30, I was, it was pretty sad. I was like a sad, it was a sad birthday because I had just gone through this run and now I'm like kind of by myself and like, I'm going from a boy to a man and I don't know how to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So my thirties was a big growing up, a growing up time. And then my forties was pretty awesome, you know? Um, And then now, now in my fifties, I feel like I'm in my twenties again. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like being out here in Vegas, because everyone's really silly out here. It's just kind of wacky. So I, I it kind of lends itself to like, you know what I mean? Wackiness, you know? A hundred percent. I just wanted to jump back to you being on MTV again. Was getting a movie role, to me, it seems like hosts, they do get pigeon held to just be hosts. Like it's very few people, like in Canada, we have much music and- I, I couldn't imagine anyone going after them for a movie role. Was that kind of uh, revolutionary to get a VJ and put them in a movie at that time? It was definitely unheard of. Mm-hmm. How did that? How did that come about? No one did what I did. Yeah. No one went. No one went from MTV to movies to albums to HBO specials to uh, you know you know. Uh, shows you know i was spinning all these plates at once you know so how did it come about my show on mtv was really popular it was a really high highly rated show and then you know jeffrey katzenberg who ran disney at the time uh he discovered me on mtv they're like who the fuck is this guy and they had the movie encino man (laughs) sitting there in the bin and um and uh you know jeffrey calls jeffrey calls my manager, Michael Rotenberg, who's actually Canadian. I love Michael. He's a beautiful, beautiful guy. And, um, and says, hey, we want, him, we want him to play the caveman. So they wanted me to play the caveman. Oh, Brendan Fraser's character. Wow, which would be the <laughs> yeah. lead, obviously. Yeah, they wanted me to play the caveman. And I'm like, well, I don't want to play the caveman because cavemans, they don't speak. Mm-hmm. I speak. Yeah. So tell them to go, go back and figure it out. And they said, okay, here's what we'll do. Well, make the best friend you or, or rewrite the best friend role is, is you. So the Sean Aston character and then my character at the time were pretty much identical characters. They're two nerds. Mm-hmm. But then I went in there with the writer and rewrote my part based off of what I was doing on MTV and my acting ability. Um, uh, uh, you know, and I made my character stony. You know what I mean? Like that as a sidekick. And then Brendan came in and he killed it on the audition. And then we hired him. And then I taught the caveman, you know, how to speak and and do my shtick and stuff like that. So that's kind of how it happened. And then and then from there, the movies, you know, they took off because they did well and people Mm -hmm. enjoyed them. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And then like Son-in-Law, I, I would guess that was such a massive success. But then on the flip side of that, a movie like Biodome, which didn't perform at the box office, is such a hit now to yeah. this day and almost has bigger lasting power than the movies that had the instant success. So when you get something like Biodome, does that make you reevaluate things that you're doing now that, oh, this might not work now, but people are going to really appreciate this in years to come, maybe. And that's what I'm hanging my hat on. Again, you know, I, I was I was a young guy. I wanted to work. I love acting. I love being on my set, the movie set, like I call it my home. And, you know, this this movie was offered to me and I just, you know, I again, I rewrote it, you know, with the, the team of people. And I went in there and um, and I said to myself, hey, I'm going to be like really, really stupid in this movie. I want to purposely be like like nuttier than anything than any movie I've ever done. And that was my focus. So I told Steven, I go, that's how we got to go. We got to go like Beavis and Butthead. So it was like to me, it was like a live action version of Beavis and Butthead, which is, you know, which was as an actor, that was my commitment is to make it just wacky and silly. And I didn't think about what this is going to be like in, you know, 20, 30 years. I just wanted to make a good movie. Mm -hmm. And at the time when it came back, when it came out, like you said, it didn't do great at the box office, you know, but, you know, here we are 20 years later and it's, you know, it's one of my biggest films. I, I got to say right before Shane asks his question, Polly, Biodome, my girlfriends and I would rent every single Friday night, every Friday night. And we'd watch it. And it was just like the movie that we all quoted together, joked about together. And that was so big for us. So all my girlfriends say hi anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them what's up. No, Biodome was adorable. I love all my movies. You know, trust me, I love them all. Mm. That's why when I was on Rogan, I'm like, it's sad for me to watch them because it was so, I was so happy then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I was doing so much fun stuff. And, you know, and I, oh, that's all I love. That's my heart. My heart is to give comedy to people and help people you know what i mean and that's her and then when they take that shit away from you you get sad you get depressed so that's why i do my own stuff you know until the phone calls until the phone rings i'll just keep doing my own stuff and and have me just kind of like create my own shit you know yeah, yeah, yeah. it definitely seems like you do what you want and mm -hmm. your ethos is like i'm going to do what i i want and if it's popular it's popular but if it's not i'm going to continue pursuing what i actually enjoy to do because you do this dance like a workout uh, sweating with the wheeze you do a lot of stuff that you don't get paid for just for the love of it and i find that very inspiring so mm -hmm. right now if you could have a project or a director to select you for a, a movie in the the same vein as what's going on with simon rex right now is do you have anyone earmarked for that no because that's not my world right you know i don't know it's just like tiktok's not my world mm -hmm. and, and probably simon didn't know the director either before he did the movies Probably got a call from him. He's like, who the fuck is this guy? You know what I mean? But then he Googled him. He's like, oh, shit. Hey, what's up, bro? Yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, I don't know. You got to get someone that's your age <laughs> that grew up on my shit. That's got some power, you know, mm -hmm. that that's fucking Polly Shore. Let's rock and roll. I'm like, let's fucking go, you know? And yeah. until then, until then, I'll just be doing my own stuff. I do. I do a lot of voiceover shit. I'm always doing that. Um, I just did Pinocchio. 
Nice. So that was cool for Lionsgate that comes out next next year. And that's I play Pinocchio, which wow, is Wow, that's cool. a big role. That's the main character. Yeah. Yeah, it's the main character. But it's for <laughs> little kids. It's for little kids. They're like five so year olds. It's oh. cute. Yeah. Well, we're gonna be watching it. We'll take oh, ours to the theater. So, you know, it's I I'm here. I'm in the mm-hmm. I'm in the uh mm-hmm. what's it called? The uh the batter's box, you know. Well, we talked to Simon right before he left to do Red Rocket. Yeah. So we're a bit of a good luck charm. <laughs> So just to let you know. I hope you feel it. Yeah. Well, you're Canadians, right? Yeah. Yes. I love Cana- I love Canadians. I love Canada. There you go. I miss I miss Canada, actually. Well, I miss Canada. Get on back. Well, you're once welcome this, uh, here anytime. Well, I guess the border's not- open right now. Right now. Yeah, get over here. Shane's actually oh, yeah. going to Vegas in April. I am. Oh, you are? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you have any shows in April? I'd love to see just you. Follow- I'll follow your guys' Instagram after this and just you know, and just keep in touch, you know, and yeah. just hit me up when you guys come through. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a wild, you know, it's a wild business, but, you know, sometimes I wish I can, you know, stop and, and, and just chill, but I just, it's this sick, it's this thing that's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just like, uh, I love, I love creating, you know, creating. So, you know, but uh, yeah, the comedians that babysat me, I thought was a pretty interesting kind of concept. Yeah. No, it, it was great. And yeah. and the, especially Whoopi was so good at playing right. Whoopi. How, how do you find people like this? Just open casting? It took me though? a while. It took me a while. I didn't produce it just like that. I mean, it, I had to like hunt for those people. Yeah. Well, it's very impressive. And uh, I love what you're doing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a creator too. I'm I'm in the sketch world, TV world. And uh, yeah, I love to see someone doing it for all the right reasons. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's I'm I'm pretty good. For, unless yeah. Alex has another question. No, Polly, where can people go? Because I know you're doing this this group for the holidays, which is amazing. And again, yeah, it's, like- it's yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be called uh, uh, I always forget the fucking name. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's um, it's uh holiday uh, holidays without my parents yeah so i'm gonna do that so basically it when does this air this will uh, be on monday oh cool so perfect you can help Mm. cast it for me yeah so basically if you're out there listening to us and you lost your parents and you're going through the holidays right now and you're going through whatever you're going through send a video to polyrants at gmail.com that's polyrants at gmail.com. Make it two minutes and tell me about what you're going through. And I'm going to pick seven people. It's almost like Willy Wonka where yes. they get seven chocolate bars. So I'm going to pick seven people and then I'm going to do a Zoom thing and we're just going to have it out and hopefully, you know, shed some tears and hopefully let people connect to it and say, hey, you know what? Those people are going through what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. We're going to get through this. Because we're a special group, you know, so. Absolutely. Yeah. And no, and yeah. that kind of vulnerability is going to help so many people, Polly. Like, I think that's such a good thing to do. That's such a good thing to want to do. Uh, and thank you for setting people there. But is there anywhere else, social media channels, any other projects you want them to check out? Um, well, I got, like I said, the one man show. I'm working on that. That's called Stick With The Dancing. And I'm working that right now. And then my memoir. So I'm working that. And also finish writing a movie with a friend of mine. Um, I don't want to talk about that, but that's that's a comedy. And then what else? I don't know. Whatever. I'm here. So. <laughs> 
Well, Polly, thank you for being here, just like in the ether. And thank you for being here with us tonight. In our bedroom, yes. In our bedroom. <laughs> Polly Shore on the bed with us here. Um, but truly, thank you so much for your time. I really loved this and uh, loved having you on the show. Thank you, guys. It, uh, tell all the Canadians that I miss them and love them. I haven't been there forever. And take care of your kids. They're downstairs. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's take care of Buster. <laughs> all right. Bye, bye guys. Have bye, a Polly. good night. Bye. Later. Bye. Wow. I still am so excited and high off this interview. I love Polly. He was a total sweetheart. Sometimes you get the bigger guests and you don't know how it's going to fall, but he fell right into that pocket where you'd want him, which is with kindness. He was emotional right off the bat. And uh, yeah, couldn't be happier with that one. Yeah. You know what? I, I, was kind of caught off guard actually because of how candid and emotional he was off the top. And I, I wasn't expecting that because I had just heard an interview with him and Tom Green and it was not similar at all. And then when he totally did open up to us, I was so grateful for that and I was so appreciative. And he wears his heart on his sleeve. Yeah. For sure. Oh my God. It, it, it really changed who I thought he was as a person. Because, of course, I didn't have any experience with that. I only know him from his movies and his career. So that was that was really amazing. And I, I did appreciate that a lot. Yeah. But Alex. Shane. Questions. Answers. Answers. You've done the research. We've we've gotten these questions from the listeners. That's, that's right. You. Or one of your brethren. If you didn't submit, (laughs) I don't even know know what that means. Did I use that right? Oh, yeah. But, you know, I I think we do have more women that list. Oh, is brethren strictly male? I have no idea. Oh, geez. Forget that. Brethren. You know, I think I think it only means men. But okay, whatever. Let's just answer some questions. Well, the first one requires no research, uh, just personal opinion. And I had a really quick answer to it. Shane, I'm going to count to three, and we're going to say our answer at the same time, and I want to see if you have the same answer. Mm-hmm. If you could rid the world of one thing, what would it be? One, two, three. Mosquitoes. Cancer. You thought I was going to say mosquitoes? My mom has cancer. Like, yeah. No, I was I – was, <laughs> Like, what is – No, I wasn't thinking about diseases. I kind of totally forgot about that. I was only thinking about, like, uh, animals. Oh, my – animals. <laughs> I can't believe you were that confident. I was like, oh, she's teeing me up because it's so obvious. But yeah, I don't want people to be sick. I don't want people to be hurting. Like, of I don't course, know, world yeah. hunger, cancer, that sort of thing. Mosquitoes are very itchy. Hunger would be yeah, <laughs> world hunger. I don't like those little bumps in the itch. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, mosquitoes is number five, maybe. Okay, continue. Well, hold on, because they did a little research, because I was so sure we were both going to say mosquitoes. So then I was there. <laughs> Get out of here. Let's hear your research. <laughs> okay. So I was like, truly, what purpose do mosquitoes serve? They're the worst thing on the planet. Besides cancer, world hunger, poverty. Everybody yeah. wants mosquitoes gone. Yes. So I looked up what are mosquitoes actually good for? And it turns out they're good for a lot. So first of all, they're food for fish when, as larvae. So when they're just tiny little babies in the eggs, they're food for fish and for birds and bats. And I knew they were food for bats, but I'm like, you know, bats must get food from other sources. They're also food for frogs. And some species of mosquitoes, and this is where it gets really dicey, they're important pollinators. And I mean, I love bees because they're pollinators. I don't think I'll ever love mosquitoes, but it, it does give me a little more respect for them. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I, I had no idea they were pollinators. Me either. So there you go. 
<laughs> Continue. I'm into it. I like it. I just like, you know. I'm... No, your answer was better. I'm, um, yeah, I know that. And I know you know that. But I'm still interested in this thing. Well, well, and I'm no, appreciating that, the research. That's all That's all the mosquito research. Uh, next question, though. Okay. My baby is three months and is sleeping so well. Is this magic or are we being tricked? No, it's it. That's how it worked out for us. By two, three months or three months for sure, both of our kids were sleeping amazing and I finally got a little bit of respite from the newborn phase. However, with Betty more than Lucy, we got hit by the four-month sleep regression. And maybe your kid is one of those unicorn kids who doesn't get hit by a regression and never falls out of their great sleep patterns. But just to let you know, there are regressions at the four, the six, the eight – between 8 to 10, the 18-month phases, and then again at the two-year point. There's a lot of regressions. The one that was the worst of all for both kids for us was when Lucy hit the eight-month sleep regression, and it lasted from when she was eight months old to 12 months. It was a disaster. It was worse than the newborn phase. Uh, it, it, was, it was just awful. But other than that, you know, who knows? You might, you might be okay. Next question. My nephew has a misguided way of showing affection. He shows it by hitting and putting himself inside of somebody's personal space. He's very smart, but I find it difficult to discipline or reject him because I know that his behavior isn't malicious. He's just trying to figure out how to get attention and show his emotions. He's seven years old. Have you ever experienced unwanted attention-seeking behavior? He also has night terrors, but doesn't talk about it much. How do you communicate about things like that? Well, first of all, about the night terrors, I, I, kids don't often remember. I know Lucy's had a couple night terrors and she doesn't remember them. Oh, she's in a whole other world when that's going on. Yeah, it'd mm-hmm. be impossible to talk to her about it because she'd be learning for the first time that she even has them. Yeah. Uh, and then when it comes to the behavior, you know, I think you mentioned rejection and discipline, but I think you can teach these boundaries without upfront discipline and rejection. So... You have a talk about personal space and make it clear that you don't want that infringed upon, right? Because the kid has to know your boundaries. They don't know they're overstepping boundaries if they don't know what your boundaries are. So that conversation, it I mean, it's your nephew, but it needs to start with whoever's around the kid most. If it's the parents, the teachers, whatever. And then, of course, you come into that kind of as an offshoot. But a way to do this is to acknowledge their feelings. So like that they're wanting attention or they're feeling unloved or something and then limit the behavior. So this could look something like saying, okay, like you really want to hit your brother. So if it's Lucy, I'd be saying, okay, Lucy, you really want to hit Betty, but I'm not going to let you do that. And I see you feel like lashing out. And then maybe, you know, like what, what's making you feel that way? Like that's a scary feeling. What's making you so upset that you want to do this and go to the feeling instead of the, behavior and address that because then the subtext there is that hey like it's okay to feel what you're feeling I'm on your side but you're not allowed to do this behavior the one thing that you shouldn't do and Shane and I still sometimes do this even though we know not to is drag it out and then give them that attention so like maybe if Lucy's hitting Betty or hitting me I'll take her into another room And I'll let her cool down in there. And then we'll talk about the rules. We'll go over everything. She'll say sorry. We'll have a big hug. It'll be emotional. And it's like that's giving them the negative attention-seeking behavior that they want, right? They want to take that time into your day. It doesn't help them. So basically, be quick with the stopping the action 
address their feelings and then just kind of restate the boundaries and then go on to the next thing. What do you what do you think, Shane? Would you add anything? No, I don't know. I, I just I think a seven too, it's such it's it's a little bit old to still mm-hmm. be doing that. So I I would be hyper vigilant about it and not be as worried about being awkward with the seven-year-old because it's uncomfortable yeah but they might need that discomfort and Mm -hmm. we can't you know you can't be uncomfortable to not make them uncomfortable they're they're seven and they don't know and it's going to just serve them best if you try to nip this in the bud as soon as possible so i would forget their feelings for a moment for the greater good of the rest of their life and just like let's get them on proper appropriate behavior Mm -hmm. yeah so there you go Next question isn't a question, but I had to include it. Alexandra did a great job on the solo pod. Well done. Three exclamation marks. Shane, did you listen to my solo pod? Because I haven't because I'm terrified. I tried to throw it on, but you were with me and you made me shut it off. So I like blacked out. I just started talking about things. I forget what I talked about. about No, I I brought up that you were I was solo parenting because you were doing your show and everything. But maybe I talked about you. Honestly, I have no idea. And somebody uh, repeated a joke that I made on that podcast. You're making jokes? Somebody said they're like, they did, quote, I've woken up to people I don't like, unquote. They're like, ha, ha, ha. I made a joke, I guess. And uh, I don't know what it is or what it has to do with because I haven't listened to it yet because I haven't gotten the. Well, I don't know the context of this, but as is, I'm. Pretty I think it was in my interview jealous. with Julie Cole. Oh, okay. But anyhow. No, g- women in their locker room talk. <laughs> I was. I'm really nervous to hear it because I just. I, I don't know what it sounds like, but Matab likes it. She mm. she said a good job as well. She went out of her way to tell me. So I appreciated oh. that. Yeah, I love Matab. Real Miss Blondie. She wrote in this comment. So I appreciate that. And Bailey Cat, another oh, uh, You're faith bringing listener. out all the, the best people we have. Well, they on all our, went out of their way yeah. to tell me that I did a good job and they well, really awesome. eased my nerves. No, I think if you were to do 40 more of those, you'd be a total pro because nothing's harder than. First time. Yeah, it's like they say staring at a blank page is tough if you're a writer, but if you're a podcaster doing a solo thing, it's it's so unnatural. Well, the other thing too, I think when people do solo pods, they have something written out or they at least mm-hmm. have points. Like I know Renee Mamram, she she plans out her episode and like has every point she wants well, to hit. Well, she's so A type, yeah. Yes, and but Birds of Pie the same when she does a solo episode, I feel like she for the most part types it all out and then yeah. reads it with a lot of with a lot of passion, right? You know me. Yeah, well you are very verbally gifted. You'll get up and do a toast at a moment's notice. I will actually shit my pants. <laughs> <laughs> Leave a room, uh have like I'll have a total like we were on a trip and I did somebody put me on the spot to do a post. I totally imploded. And you stood up for me and gave the toast on for my behalf. Somebody, for people I didn't you know. You didn't know. Yeah, you, you <laughs> killed it. So you're really verbally gifted, so you're lucky in that way. But, yeah, but she, I don't know if it yeah. always works that well. And I I mm-hmm. don't know if it did for this episode. I got to listen to it. Uh, all right, next question. If you could change one thing about your life, what would it be? For me, it would be... One, two, three. Threats from fireplace people. <laughs> <laughs> 
day for job. Sure. I for sure. you loved your day job. I do love my day job, but uh-huh. there needs to be I, – I wish I could do it three days a week and then have two days a week to sit at a computer and do stuff for our other job. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wish that I could do both somewhat equally because right now it's just, it's so – Hard, and that's a part of what's making me go crazy because I love both jobs, and uh, it's it's just so hard. Anyway, what would you change? Yeah, I don't. I do not like working for a living. I do not like working for money. I just want to do my passions. Yeah. I'm very creatively driven. I feel like I've got a lot to offer the world creatively. I feel like I'm good at it. And I feel like I'm wasting my life in some regards doing a typical, not I, my nine to five isn't typical. I am blessed. However, working in the corporate world doesn't exactly allow you to spread your wings and fly. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I hear you. And, and you are so, well, shame what I've learned about you actually. Uh, and for the listeners during this time, and you've learned it about yourself. You are a great boss. You're a great manager of people and well, not the word boss, but leader, leader if it's yeah. in my field. I'm a terrible leader if it's not in my field. And I've, I think everyone in the world is a great leader if they found that thing that is their thing. It's just a lot of people that they don't know what that is. They haven't had enough time to find that thing. But if you find your thing, and you know your thing, you will be a great leader yeah. at it because it just comes naturally to you. Like if I had to do a fireplace project and I was the main contractor worst leader in the world (laughs) but yeah in terms of social media and comedy sketch show i'd give myself an a plus oh heck yeah i would too uh next question do you have any tips for resetting midday when you feel like everything is going to hell like work the kids etc so a couple things that i would say and i know shane uh will have something to add too peloton peloton there you go well if you're at home working work out right yeah yeah, um, go for a walk. I know, Shane, that's a big thing for you too. And that was a big thing for me when I was on mat leave and when I was at home. Now that I'm at work, I don't have, I can't do that. But going for a walk even helps so much. Getting fresh air, just getting moving, get a little bit of a sweat on if you can. It helps a ton. Chug water is another thing I'd say. Good one. Like just drink a ton of of water, like not a cup, drink like a big water bottle full of water within, you know, a short time span if you can. That always helps me. It clears my brain because sometimes I start getting like some weird caffeine thing or just brain fog from the day. Uh, if you're at home, another thing that helped me when I was on my leave, if you can get a shower in at nap time or something, take a shower, wash your hair, stand there and let the water just run on you for a little bit and just take some deep breaths. That helps a ton. And stepping out, feeling clean and like you did something good for yourself is so resetting, I find. And you know what? I would say some days just say, today is fucked. Mm -hmm. I'm getting to bed at eight. I'm not saying I'm going to fall asleep at eight and have the best night's sleep. I'm going to put myself in the best position for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And I find that... Even knowing that that's on the table, that I can allow myself to accept that today's a complete write-off, that can reset me. Yeah. Because that is freeing. Mm-hmm. And every day doesn't have to be a, a, a great productive day. And that is freeing too. So saying it's okay that today is fucked helps me. Mm-hmm. No, I think mm-hmm. that is so good. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's such a good one. And going to bed early is something that you and I have historically been terrible at. But Shane, we've been pretty good at that lately. Like we've been doing 9 p.m. bedtimes well, sometimes. We've had a lot of effed up days. <laughs> So we've been taking on that mantra yeah. a little bit. No, but it's been nice. I've, I've been appreciating it. That's very tired. Like yeah. I've fallen asleep on the couch every single night for the last month. Oh, yeah. Fireplace guy yelling at you. Bed by eight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another thing. If you're working at home with your partner, I think the best reset for my entire life. Shane, what would it be if I'm just feeling down in the dumps in general? What's, what's the only thing that can often it's well this is a family show so i can't say it but i'll say making out you could say intimacy is the word we usually use hardcore intimacy there you go (laughs) no like yeah yeah but yeah any touch kissing what whatever it may be you know that's what Alex likes. No, it's got to be balls to the wall, whole thing. Alex, and that's, it's a family show. I don't mean balls to the wall, literally. Oh. I'm just saying, like, go for it all the way. I'm joking. You know? I'm joking. <laughs> I, you meant, I meant balls to the wall. Like, literally testicles hitting a wall. Okay. <laughs> Inter- <laughs> it's one of our most interesting shows, I think. But uh, no, and for some people, again, if that's like your love language, if that's how you, how you feel better... It helps immensely, and I cannot stress that enough. It helps immensely. I get it, Alex. I get All it. All right. <laughs> Read between the lines, Shane. <laughs> Next question. The eye contact there, like <laughs> it helps immensely three times into the eyes. All right. Uh, nothing subliminal. Where is our next question? Okay. How the heck did you guys survive with a toddler and a newborn? It gets easier, right? Yeah, it gets easier. It's, it's always crazy. Like you're never going to escape the crazy, but the crazy becomes you. What do you mean it gets easier? You know that for a fact? No, it's, you, got, you're... it's easier than it was when mm-hmm. I think Betty was getting yeah. up five times the, a night and Lucy more, was a younger yeah. toddler. The more IQ points Betty gets, the better it gets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, but but just even Betty being able to walk on her That's own. What I mean, and... she's she's getting more intelligent. Oh, and IQ, yeah, yeah. Her intelligence mm-hmm. is making it easier because now she knows not to kill herself mm-hmm. as much. Like all these, when they're in that like six to a year, everything's a, a suicide attempt. Mm-hmm. And that's very stressful. See, I thought you said cute points, meaning that Betty now like she's able to like do more and like run up to you and give you kisses and oh, that helps. And too. it does help yeah, too. That's yeah, that's true too. It brightens my day. It, oh, me too. And Betty is so good at doing that. Eh? Like she'll just like even tonight she was looking at Shane and then she'd mm-hmm. run around the couch. And then the second she was like two feet away from him, she'd just sprint to him with open arms and go and give him kisses. And she did that like oh, 15 times in a row. Yeah. But it, it does get easier. And again, like I said, the chaos becomes you and then you just your threshold for dealing with that, it just gets higher. And not in the sense that you become overwhelmed by it, but it just becomes the regular and and it's and it's okay. But yeah, it does get easier. And as far as I know, people keep telling us that it gets easier than where we are too. Do you think Betty's more like you and Lucy's more like me? Opposite. I have a theory. I think Betty is exactly how I was when I was a baby and toddler. Mm-hmm. According to my mom, I don't obviously remember, but my mom was like, you're always smiling and always calm and quiet and all this. Mind you, Betty is a little bit of a <laughs> And then your parents seem to think that Lucy was a lot like you when you were mm-hmm. a little girl. However, I think as, as I am now, 
Lucy's very close to my personality, how I actually am now, not as a child. And I feel like Betty's very close to how you are now as an adult. Mm -hmm. That's my little theory. Betty's only happy if you are picking her up or giving her kisses, Mm -hmm. which is similar to how I feel. Yeah. And because of that, and I've noticed too that Lucy's like hyper loving you right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, oh, is it because she's so much like me? She's looking at you the way I look at you. And Betty looks at me lately, like with such love. I think she she looks at everyone that way. But I mean, I'm feeling like, oh, my God, that's like Alex. The way Betty looks at me is the way you look at me. No, Betty loves Mm -hmm. getting your attention. Like she loves it. Yeah. But that's my theory. It's like like it it really is a mini you in Betty. Yeah. And Lucy reminds me so much of myself Mm -hmm. now. Not as a child, though. It's strange. No, I I totally understand what you mean, and I I agree. Mm -hmm. I I think it's like, it's weird to think that, but that's how it is. Yeah. No, Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Uh, Next question. Thoughts on family visiting a newborn uh, during Christmas after they're doing their own holiday mingling? This is tricky. If I had a newborn baby, okay, not even during a pandemic time, Obviously, family wants to see the baby. That's a huge part of getting together for Christmas. You want to get updated. You want to say hello to everybody. But newborn babies are their own thing, and they do need to be protective. And now with the pandemic and now with the new variant, everything, you know, newborns are just so much more at risk for things. And simply for RSV, right? And that's when they tell you don't kiss babies and don't kiss somebody's baby. Don't even let grandparents kiss babies. And even Sorry, as a- RSV? Yeah, respiratory syncytial, syncytial So you're virus. just throwing that around like everyone knows No, RSV, knows everybody oh. knows. Oh, they do? All moms know RSV because they tell you don't let people kiss your babies. And then it's like because they can contract RSV, which is ah. respiratory syncytial virus. And it makes them really sick and, and they could die from it. And that's just something on a normal day. A normal non-pandemic year, not that we're ever going to have a non-pandemic year for the rest of our lives, but, you know, before, in the before times. Now, it's like, you know, you you have to put boundaries and your family has to know these boundaries ahead of time so that you aren't disappointing them, I so think. So there's no condition where the family should come over then with RSVP no, floating around? No, no, no. It's, I would, not necessarily in coming over, but I would say put the boundaries on holding the newborn definitely on kissing the newborn do not let anybody kiss your newborn baby anybody and if they want to maybe let them kiss the hand or the back of the head or something like that i don't know prince (laughs) but no don't don't let anybody kiss your baby i don't care how close they are to you i don't care if it's a grandparent whatever if it's a newborn protect that newborn uh especially during pandemic times that's what I think, and again, I would think that sending everybody a text ahead of time and just saying, hey, guys, just let you know, you know, we're a little bit nervous about everything and the pandemic, just want to protect little baby so-and-so. So, you know, either we're not going to pass the baby around for everybody to hold, we're not going to kiss the baby, whatever it is, make it known beforehand. Or if you want people to mask up, I don't know what your boundary is, but tell everybody. And if you're the people going to the newborn's place, I hope you're giving notice and never just showing up as a surprise. Oh, my God. Yeah. Any surprise is never welcome. Like, I don't like someone calling me without texting me to warn me Mm. first. So, yeah, just everyone needs to be aware of boundaries and space and common sense and all all of that. No, big time. Uh, Next question. It's the second to last. This one is from my mother. 
Mm. Kim Kardashian admitted that she is a favorite child. Do you think it's possible to love your children equally or do you think you always have to have a favorite? No, I think it's totally possible to love them equally, but you're loving them differently. Like you love different things about them and it's a different relationship you have with each kid. Maybe you like one kid more than the other kid during a day because the one's been a little shite, but you don't, I mean, I don't love one of them more than the other. No, I don't think love is, I think love's always the same, Mm -hmm. but you can have a favorite for Mm -hmm. sure. But you can't love one more than the other. How does that work? You can have a favorite, but you can't like, love I one. I don't know. Like I haven't always gotten along with my sister, but the love is so much greater than my feelings. It transcends everything. So it's like the like. I don't, I don't know. But it's, yeah, I guess certain days I'd be like, oh, I really dislike my sister or this. Mm-hmm. But she's also like one of the four more most important people to me. Yeah. So it's like nothing's more important than that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But if Lou turns out to be like really problematic and, <laughs> you know, disliking me, I'll love her still to the moon and back. But if Betty is just this perfect child mm-hmm. or whatever, I'll be like, oh, well, she's kind of my favorite, but I love them equally. Do you think my mom loves Jake more than me? Jake's my brother. I loves no I, I think she loves everyone the same she favors jake mm-hmm. she's more similar to you she's probably closer to you well that's what i think i think we're closer and we're yeah, very she, similar there's favoritism going on with jake absolutely like he's when Everybody, we t- jake's perfect when, when you talk about kissing the baby's hand i just pictured jake's hand being kissed like <laughs> you know he's he has it pretty easy well when my bob was alive too <laughs> Honest to God, it wouldn't be too far off to like, you know, hyperbolize and make the joke that like Jake could sit there on Christmas Eve with his ha- like a ring on his hand and his hand out. And then everybody in the family would like go up to him and welcome him to Christmas with a big kiss on the ring or something like that. Like he's the godfather without being old or being powerful. Just yeah. the respect and, and the he, love. Well, he's quieter too. So that can be a little, you don't want to upset a quieter person. He can be a little bit more temperamental yeah. than you. Jake is more temperamental than me. Yes, he is. But, and that is, uh, like they say, the squeaky wheel gets the gui- grease. Grease. <laughs> gets the grease. But. <laughs> that was so cute, Shane. Thank you. But that's what what happens a little bit. And I don't know, like moms and their sons. It's like yeah. fathers and their daughters. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's It can be a cliche thing, but it sometimes the cliches yeah. are very true. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Uh, and finally, our final question for the night. Fun ideas for Christmas to do with the family. Somebody want I this person wants ideas. They don't want a boring Christmas season. And hey, we got them. We got ideas. Good. And they're easy ones. Let's not go throwing the word we around. <laughs> just tell me what they are no, and no, I'll no. nod. Look, I just thought of the easiest, most uh, cost Did you think of it or did you Google it? No, I thought of these. I thought of these Seems with like a my waste of brain. a perfectly great Googling opportunity, but. I Googled the mosquito facts, Shane. Okay. Yeah. okay. Well, that wasn't wasteful <laughs> at all or hurtful to me. Continue. <laughs> all right. First of all. Neighborhood walks and lights. So in a lot of neighborhoods, maybe yours has this, but you can find maps that like are 
I don't know who makes some neighborhood committees, but it's like the cool lighthouses and who has the most awesome lights or just take a little drive one night without your kids, map it out on your own. But in Burlington, there's a map. And then in Hamilton, there are different neighborhood groups like online and uh, they make note of who has great houses and they like make little, you know, walking tour routes for you to do. And there are a couple streets that around us that really deck out for Christmas. You know, the one over there, it's so good. So do that little nighttime walks or nighttime drives to see the lights in your neighborhood. It's free. It's awesome. Lucy just, she'll see one blow up Santa and like her entire week is made. She loves it. That's one thing. The next, find where there's an actual light show. So like if you're local-ish, go to Niagara Falls. They got a great one. It's the best. Go there. It's so much fun. It's worth the drive. But Burlington has one too every year. Like there's so many things in that regard that you can do. Go to a farm. Farms have all the cute, cozy stuff. You know, they'll have goats. They'll have hot chocolate. Maybe if you need a Christmas tree, you can do that. Find a farm without busy lineups. Like the ones that are like the Disneyland farms. Like if you're local, there's Mary Farms and Brantwood Farms. They're like, they're they're Disneyland farms. They're amazing. But they are all full up. Go to a lesser known farm. Give somebody else a shot. And they have so many great Christmas things. And it's always just so fun to be outside. Next, find out where the Christmas markets are going. Right? It's like every city has their own Christmas market days. You know, public library, whatever. Go check those out. Have baking days with your kids at home. Lucy loves to bake. If I tell her we're going to make a cake on the weekend, that's all she talks about throughout the week. It's like making that cake, making that cookies. It, it brightens her up like crazy. And then you can use it as currency to be like, ooh, if you misbehave, we can't bake that cake, blah, blah, blah. Next, craft days instead of baking days. Make Christmas ornaments. Lucy made these awesome ornaments with her grandma, with Shane's mom. Uh, it was like a frozen book about Anna and Elsa at Christmas. And then at the end of the book, there were all these like cutouts to make your own Christmas ornaments. So now we have all these frozen ornaments. Do we know ornaments. the age of the children that this person has? Like what if they have teenagers? Lights. Baking. Oh, all it still applies. Okay. It's yeah. universal. Okay. Maybe yeah. not making the ornaments, but like, I think going to see lights, going to baking. Like I love doing that stuff as a teenager. What about an eggnog taste test? Ooh, we got to do that. And we've kind of been doing it slowly. Yeah, I think President's Choice is the best one. But there's two President's Choice ones. The one in the plastic container is the best. Oh, it's so good. That's the best. That one won. No, the best one of all time. Is like Carnation or something? Not Carnation. It's the one. Ah, Frank, what's it called? So, okay. So, the Fortino's brand Mm -hmm. which is a part of what's the bigger superstore for that for fortino's i forget but it's not sobeys loblaws so loblaws and fortino's brand is president's choice president's choice has a great one compliments Mm. sobeys brand and all of their littler grocery stores and those are the ones that usually see up in cottage country like foodland they carry compliments and the compliments eggnog is the best one we've ever had like, hands down, that is the winner, followed by President's Choice. And these aren't brand names. These are like the grocery store brands, you know? Yeah, President's Choice is really up the ante, though. Like, I when I was a kid, it was called, like, Dave's or something, or Dave ran really? President's Choice. And it was looked at almost as a no-name type of level. Now it's, like, upper oh, echelon. It's a, well, they had the black label. They even have President's Choice black label now. And it's, yeah. like, not cheap. It's super expensive. Imagine some <laughs> of your followers see you walking through the supermarket with your black label President's <laughs> Choice. It's like, that Alex. I get more grandma comments. Yes. 
Oh, go shopping for a community fridge. And again, this could, I think, be great for kids from Lucy's age to adult children. Find out where in your community you can help by donating food. I know a couple years ago, we did a big thing with our online community. We we're making sandwiches for people every Tuesday leading up to in the month and a half or so leading up to Christmas for people that were hungry in our community. So folks like blog followers and everything would donate money. We'd go shopping. We'd make all the food, put together lunch bags. But then there's also community fridges all around Hamilton and, I, and I'm sure in other cities as well. So you can go and purchase food for these fridges and then just drive up, put the food in the fridge. And then when people in the community are hungry, if they need to feed their families, they can go to this fridge and take what they want. And it's a really great way to help and to get food anonymously and and to keep these things fully stocked is really incredible. So there are awesome initiatives like that. And Lucy is really amped up about things like that. If you have teenage kids, if you have older kids, uh, I think they could love it just as much because it feels amazing mm. to give back. But yeah. It does. And it feels amazing to be done this episode because now we can enjoy this beautiful fireplace. Um, I've been enjoying this intimate. episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks everyone. If you could like and rate the podcast, I'd appreciate it. But if not, just listening is quite enough. Mm-hmm. But thanks so much for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree podcast. podcast, episode 112.